The following Pay Joseph Prince Ministries program is brought to you by our Grace Legacy Builders. Today with Joseph Prince. Sometimes we don't have to look at the Gospels and think, well, what's the example I must follow? Sometimes it's not an example for you. It's not about you. It's about looking at Jesus and just adoring. When you look at Him, just adore. The adoration will transform you. The Scripture is for you to see Jesus and adore Him. Joseph Prince has really helped us to, to understand that the grace of God's not too good to be true. It's just a total freeing message. Um, God wants us to be free so we can spread His gospel and be bold with it and know who we are in Christ. We just thank you so much for everything you've done for our family's lives, and we know that He's changing millions and millions of lives around the world. If the gospel of grace has impacted your life, I would like to invite you to join us as a Grace Legacy Builder. Let's advance the gospel of grace together. Visit the link on your screen to be part of leading a legacy of grace today. Praise the Lord. You all ready for God's Word? Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. Jericho is known as the city of the curse. Ever since Joshua conquered the city, Joshua pronounced a curse upon the city, the entire city. And uh, there was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region. Not just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector and he had become very rich. Now, you must understand that people who are tax collectors in those days, they collect taxes from their own people for another government. The foreign government at this time was Rome. And Rome was um, conquering the whole known region in the Middle East at the time of which Israel was part of it. So the people didn't like uh, Zacchaeus too much because he would collect taxes for them. Not only that, he would uh, bully them right, into giving taxes that there's not even uh, uh, the proper amount. He would overcharge them. He would overtax them, of which we know later on he mentioned that if he has done that, he will repay the person fourfold. So we know that he has, he has done it. So he was a, a sinner, a chief sinner, not just a chief tax collector, but he was probably at this time, the Lord has been working on his heart. He's feeling conviction over his sins. And he heard that Jesus was coming to town. Now, how many know that our whole entire earth is like a city of the curse? This earth is fallen, people. No matter how we try to improve this earth, it is fallen. And here, Jesus was entering Jericho and he, this city of curse. It's like our, our world. Our world is a world of curse. Man sin against God. And God cannot just say, well, you sin. You know what? Forget about justice. Forget about righteousness. You know what? Boys will be boys. Let's sweep everything under the carpet. <laughs> it's okay, my boy. That is not just. That is not. The whole, the whole universe will collapse if, if God is like that. But God is love. But, how, God, but God cannot show love at the expense of justice. And if God just dispenses justice, where is the love? But God is love. So God, in His wisdom, made a way when man thinks there's no way, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. So Jesus coming to Jericho is like Jesus coming to this earth. Amen? God sent His Son. His Son pre-existed with the Father. And he came and took on human flesh and blood. And where did he come to? To the city of the curse, to the world of a curse. And he came to be a blessing. He came loaded down with blessings. 
Hallelujah. And he came to the city of the curse. And the Bible says he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. Look at verse 3. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Again, there's the crowd. Sometimes we are so conscious of the crowd, we don't see Jesus. It is not important what the crowd thinks about you. It's not important how many likes you get on your social media. It's not very important what people say about you. The question is, can you see Jesus? Because if you can see Jesus, you will see His eyes of love for you. You will see that He's longing for you. You think you are looking for Him. He is looking for you. Amen? So here Zacchaeus was trying to see Jesus. Can you imagine right now? Whenever there's a crowd, there's a lot of noise, a lot of din and bustle and, and the cacophony of noises in the midst of the crowd. And he's trying to jump over the shoulders of the people to take a look at Jesus. And he can't because the Bible says he was short. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Right? So he was trying to, see, he can't find so a, a way to see Jesus, but he wanted to see Jesus. Whenever you want to see Jesus, Jesus is looking out for you. The people that come to church, they're not here to see Pastor Mark or Pastor Prince or Pastor Gabriel. They are here to see Jesus. These are just servants that point you to Jesus, but they want to see Jesus. I know you all, you want to see Jesus, and you want, you want to see Jesus more and more. Let me tell you something else. The more you want to see Jesus, the more Jesus wants to see you. There's something about the crowd, amen, in the midst of the cacophony of all the noise and all that, he, he will look up and he will pay attention to one person who's out to look at him. But Pastor Prince, all, and the, all the crowd is trying to see him, right? No, there's a kind of look that looks to you like it's one thing to look at a person swimming in the sea. But if you are in the sea and you are drowning and you look for the lifesaver, right? You look at the lifeguard. The way you look is different. This is looking unto. Amen. Amen? And Zacchaeus had a look unto. And that kind of look is what brings life. In the Old Testament, when the people were bitten by snakes, and, and Moses, God told Moses to put a, put a bronze serpent on, on a cross and lift it up, as many as look were healed. Those who look at their pains, at their wounds, they died. But those who look away from their wounds to the cross to see that bronze serpent, the picture of Jesus becoming sin, will live. Only these people will live. Amen. One look for the Savior and you will live. One look and you'll be transformed. One look and you'll be healed. This is how the Lord is like. So all the while, Zacchaeus thought he was looking for Jesus. He didn't realize Jesus was looking for him. So he tried his best, you know. And finally, he climbed a sycamore tree, which is a fig tree, a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, isn't it interesting that the, after Adam sinned, the Bible says God, God said to him, God's first question is, where are you, Adam? And God knew where he was. But God wanted Adam to know he's no more in the same place with God. He's lost. Amen. And where was he hiding? Behind a fig tree. How do you know Pastor Prince is a fig tree? Well, he was wearing fig leaves. 
And if you look at a fig tree, a fig leaves, they have, they have a very huge trunk that slants, and you can climb a, a, a sycamore or fig tree, and their leaves are very huge. Many a times, it, it has the, these parts like uh, a tree part. It's big enough to cover you, bro. No, not to worry. It's big, really big. And that's what he wore when he realized he was naked. Actually, he wasn't naked to begin with. He was covered with the glory of God, like a golden light, radiant. Amen. That was his clothing. But when he sinned, poof, the whole thing disappeared. And he realized he was naked. He looked for the closest thing. And the closest thing was a fig leaf. And he put on fig leaves. He hide. Here you have Adam hiding behind the fig tree. Here you have Zacchaeus climbing a fig tree to see Jesus. Amen. We see the parallel. And Jesus looked up. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus! I'm going to use the Hebrew name of Zacchaeus. This is uh, in, uh, anglicized in the Greek. In, in the Greek, it is Zacchaeus. He called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Come down. I must be a guest in your home today. As I was studying this, the Lord said to me, if you study all my odds, shoots, must, you establish your heart greatly. So I intend to study on that. Every time Jesus says, for example, ought not this woman be loosed? That means what? It's guaranteed she'll be loosed. But there's something that she did that bring her in that place where the Lord says, ought not this woman be loosed from Satan's bond? And then he says, I should heal them. If their eyes are open, their ears are open, I should heal them. So study the must and the should. Here, I must stay at your house today. It seems like before time, God the Father planned that Jesus should stay at the house because he has looked at Jesus in a way, longing for him. He's, he felt his need for the Savior. He felt the burden of conscience on his sins. He looked to the Lord and he felt like he needed an answer. And, and the Lord says, for such a one, I must stay at your house. Isn't it wonderful when you, you think that, you know, you're inviting him, but actually he's inviting you. Here's a wonderful case where the guest becomes the host. And what a host he is to have Jesus come to your house and live with you. Amen. To stay with you. He said, I must come to your house. You know why? Because you have looked to me. I cannot take one more step, Zacchaeus, because you have looked at me for the answer. You have looked at me to be your savior. You have looked at me. I cannot take one more step. Just as earlier on, he can't take one more step when blind, a blind beggar called him, Jesus, son of David, Yeshua, Haneni, have mercy on me. He could not take one more step. What is this? What a king. That he stands at the disposal of his people with needs. But they look to him. It's not just everyone. Everyone there has needs. But someone who looks to him. I think today we are filled with people in this house that have a need. They have all kinds of needs, maybe more than one need, but they look to Jesus. There's something about that that makes the Lord, you know, look to you. Amen? And uh, here it says that Jesus called him, Zachai, come down. God says, Adam, where are you? Here Jesus says, Zachai, come down. Why? Why Zachai? Why did he call him by his name? Because for many years, all right, he has lived with this name and every time this name is used on him, he felt like he was... He was a hypocrite. He felt that he was a phony. He felt like he's not real. Uh, he, you know, not living up to his name because the name Zakai means righteous one. 
just one. Do you know that in, uh, in um, the courts, Israeli courts today, when someone is declared not guilty, the judge takes the gavel and this is what he does. He hits the gavel and this is what he says, Zakai, not guilty. Literally that word, Zakai. Jesus looked up and called him by name. Zakai, not guilty in front of everybody. All those people that knew who he was, they knew he was a chief tax collector. And Jesus looked at him and says, Zakai, not guilty, come down. Amen. And he came down. Remember this, there was no laws given to him, no Ten Commandments given to him before he comes down, before he was pronounced Zakai. It was pure grace. The chapter before this, Luke 18, tells us of a rich young ruler, also a rich man who came to Jesus. And then he says, Master, a young man, the Bible says, he was a yuppie. He was a young man. He came to Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Now notice the focus. His focus was on himself. He had this selfie generation as well back then. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Since you say, what must you do? Here's the Ten Commandments. Jesus gave some of it. The relationship, you know, um, honor your father and mother. Don't steal. Don't kill. You know, he says, all this I've kept from my youth up. And the Lord looked at him. The Bible says the Lord loved him. He had compassion for him. And he says, you know, one thing you like. Sell all you have and give to the poor and come and follow me. By the way, Jesus never tells people. Look in the Bible. He never tells anybody else, come sell all you have, follow me. Only to this rich young ruler. Why? Because Jesus detected. Whenever you boast about keeping the Ten Commandments, you always say one thing you like. If your boast is in law keeping, he, the law will always bring you to the end of yourself. And the Bible doesn't mean, doesn't say, if you fail in one, you fail in that one. No, you fail in one of the Ten Commandments, you fail in all. If you steal but you don't heal, you're still seen as a murderer. So, Jesus looked at him and says, one thing you like. It was a test. Sell all you have and give to the poor and come follow me. The Bible says he looked down and he turned around. He walked away. The first commandment, he boasted in the commandments, all this I've kept. All this? All? The first commandment says, thou shalt have no other gods before me, not even money, right? And he walked away. So that's Luke 18. Luke 18, Jesus gave the young man the law and he can hardly give up a dollar. Next chapter, we have Zacchaeus. Jesus gave no law. He looked up and said, Zacchaeus, grace given. Amen? Salvation in one look. He's now not guilty. Come down, I must eat at your house. No laws given. And the Bible says, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house. I mean, I'm glad for the tree. Jesus died on the tree and it was a tree that Zacchaeus was justified. And he came down in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. People are the same. In every generation. They become self-righteous. Oh wow, that guy is the greatest sinner. How about you? I'm a little sinner. Or they don't even think they are sinners. It's always somebody else. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's no doubt. There's no doubt that Zacchaeus is 
uh, a sinner. There's no doubt. But so are all, all of us. So are the rest of them who grumble. And they said Jesus has gone to eat with a notorious sinner. It's called the scandal of grace. You don't understand grace. Amen? And do you know something about grace? Grace is free. Grace is free. Have you noticed that the people that Jesus healed, He never claimed them for Himself? He never claimed them. For example, the widow of Nain's son, after He raised her from the dead, she was, He was probably in His early 20s or late teens, Jesus raised the boy from the dead and He delivered him to His mother. Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus restored his eyes. And this is what Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has saved you. And Jesus walked away. And the Bible says he followed Jesus in the way. As if to say, even though you told me to go my way, when Jesus heals, he doesn't say, because I healed you, now you got to follow me. Because I healed you, now you must do this. Never. He will never lower grace like that. It's so beautiful. Sometimes we don't have to look at the Gospels and think, oh, what's the example I must follow? Sometimes it's not an example for you. It's not about you. It's about looking at Jesus and just adoring. When you look at Him, just adore. The adoration will transform you. The Scripture is for you to see Jesus and adore Him. So many times, Jesus, when He heals someone, He never laid claim on the person. He will say, go your way. Like the most demoniac, the most demonized man, who was possessed with legion, Jesus said to him, go home to your friends. He wanted to be with Jesus. Jesus says, go home to your friends. He will never put a price tag or a demand on you just because he has healed you. But Pastor Prince, he had followers, don't he? didn't he? Yeah, but he didn't heal them and then use that as a leverage for them to follow him. For them, he didn't heal them. He come to them and say, follow me. Come to the fisherman, follow me. Amen. Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out of her, but she followed him gladly. And, and, and blind Bartimaeus, Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. His eyes was restored and he was a beggar. Jesus walked away and he followed Jesus. I love this. He followed Jesus in the way. Jesus said, go your way. He says, my way is your way. That was on his part. Because grace is free. Grace is free. You know, when you talk about the rich young ruler and you talk about Zacchaeus, notice both of them got to do with money. There are, people think that, you know, and blind Bartimaeus was a beggar and his story is in between these two stories of rich young. So Jesus came to save those who are rich and to save those who are poor. Because the poor needs Jesus and the rich needs Jesus. Many years ago, when I was a younger pastor, many years ago, I must tell you, I must confess to you all some of my infirmities. <laughs> I must tell you, I actually don't like to spend time with rich people. They will invite me to go out with them or whatever. I, I don't like, I don't like to go out with them. I don't like to be in their house. I don't like to be with them. I want to be among the poor. I felt like God called me to be among the poor and I would go for a mission trip. But when I became a pastor, I still had that little uh, 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 prejudice, I must say. And the Lord corrected me with this story. The Lord says, don't forget, I, they need me as well. And I invited myself to a rich man's home. Poor people, when they steal a watermelon, they steal one watermelon. Rich people, when they steal, they steal the whole truck. 
of watermelons. You know what I'm saying? You get one. <laughs> so it's not a question. And, and hey, hey, listen. And there are people who are rich, but they are lost. That is, that is a poor man with plenty of money. Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs the Lord. Amen. So, so I had to repent. I had to change my ways. And, uh, but again, I still feel comfortable with uh, most of the time I spend, I, I spend with my pastors. I love spending time with my pastors and my family. I'll give half my wealth to the poor. Now look at what happened to Zacchaeus. Look at this. Look at this. The people grumble. Amen. But Zacchaeus was not listening to their tweet or read their Instagram. All right. In fact, he would have seen a lot of dislikes. Right? But meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor Lord. Notice he called him Lord. I'll give half. None. There was no demand on Jesus' part. Just pure grace. And yet, it changed his heart. I'll give half my goods to the poor. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Did Jesus ask that? No. But it affected their finances. Let me tell you this, people. When we are safe, it's going to affect even our finances. It's going to affect every area of our lives. And then the Bible says, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. Salvation has a name, people. If he's speaking Hebrew, which he did, he'll say, Yeshua came to this home today. And with him came salvation, healing. Amen. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save that which was lost. Now the crowd was listening. Continue with this. The crowd was listening to everything Jesus said. And because he was nearing Jerusalem, he told them a story to correct the impression that the kingdom of God will begin right away. Now I want to tell you something. This is the last leg of Jesus in his life before he will be crucified in Jerusalem. Jericho, the city of the curse, to uh, Jerusalem, is northeast of Jerusalem. It's about 18 miles. And it is the lowest place on planet Earth, near the Dead Sea area. And by, by, by now, when you go up to Jerusalem, you, you'll be going up 18 miles up. And that's why they have the 15 song of degrees of the Psalms. They call it songs of ascension. 15 songs of the Psalms as they go up. Come, let us go up. To the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Amen. They're going up. Amen. When you go down to Jericho, remember the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan? The man went down. All right. So this Jesus' last leg, and the crowd was following him, and they, they were going to Jerusalem. That'll be his last trip to Jerusalem. And many of them followed him because we know they thought when he reached Jerusalem, he'd be riding on a donkey and they will celebrate and they will shout with palm branches and not Hosanna to the son of David. They fully expected Jesus to take the reins of the throne, amen, and to rule from Jerusalem, to put down the Roman army and then uh, to establish his kingdom straight away. What they failed to realize is that his first coming is to save. We're all waiting for Jesus to come back. And this time when he comes back, he's coming back to rule. Many have tried to rule this earth, to rule nations, to rule uh, empires, 
you know, scepter after scepter has changed hands all the way, Nebuchadnezzar, all the way to Darius, Ahasuerus, all the way to Marco Polo, not Marco Polo, excuse me, Alexander the Great, (laughs) Marco Polo came out, Alexander the Great, amen, all the way down, but all of them failed until it is in the hands of the righteous one. The Bible says he will rule with meekness and majesty. He's, He's returning. The kingdoms of this world is becoming the kingdom of our God and of His Christ. Amen. But they thought, it's like, you know, you from afar you see two mountain peaks, right? And you think that the mountain peaks from a very far, like Denver, Colorado, where I was, I can see like two mountain, mountain, but from afar, I think that they are just a range. There's just a valley down there. But when I draw nearer, they're actually very deep, deep ravine. They are two separate mountains. So the Old Testament prophet they will prophesy something as if it's only one and very nearby. The kingdom and all that actually is 2,000 years apart. His first coming will be to die for us. When he comes again, he comes again to rule with all his people. In the world we live in, it can be easy to feel overwhelmed by the responsibilities and expectations we face each day. This month, for your gift of any amount to the ministry, you will get Joseph's book, 100 Days of Favor, Start your day with the reminder that the Lord's unmerited favor is with you in a personal and powerful way. So many have shared how reading this book has helped them to rely on the Lord's undeserved favor and experience a victorious life, God's way. I believe that this devotional will help you develop a strong sense of favor consciousness and a confident expectation of good, no matter what you're going through. And for your gift of $75 or more, we have additional resources to help you dive deeper into what it means to enjoy life defined by God's unmerited favor. Request your copy today. When you request a resource, your contribution helps us bring the message of grace to many more people who need a touch from our Lord Jesus. Visit us at josephprince.org or call us toll free at 877-901-4300. Need prayer? Head over to our brand new digital prayer experience. You can use it any time of the day from your computer or mobile device and watch the prayers as many times as you need. You'll also receive free digital resources to help you through these challenging times. Let's stand in faith together for breakthrough in your situation. Visit josephprince.org prayer to get started. Next on Joseph Prince. God says, you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. The Holy Spirit through John says, Beloved, addressing God's child, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Oh, Pastor Prince, that prosperity there is talking about our, 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 our spiritual prosperity. No, no, that, that's covered in the last part, even as your soul prospers. The first part is definitely referring to prosperity. I want to take a moment to thank a very special group of people. Grace Legacy Builders. You know who you are. You're the ones who make this possible. Because of your generosity, lives are changed, bondages broken, and families set free from decades of wrong belief. Every praise report we receive, and we get many every day, is a testimony of God's grace and a testament of your faithful support of our ministry. Thank you for making a real difference in the lives of so many. God bless you greatly. 
Be a Grace Legacy Builder today. Your giving powers our ability to keep sending the gospel of grace to the world. Call 877-901-4300 or visit josephprince.org to start building. Joseph Prince Ministries is a Section 501c3 nonprofit organization, and your gift is tax deductible for the amount that exceeds any fair market value of the materials you receive from us. Paid program is brought to you by our Grace Legacy Builders. Thank you for helping us proclaim the gospel of grace around the world.